0: Welcome to the Inside Events Podcast, brought to you by Swapcard. There's no better time to have exclusive conversations with the industry professionals who are reshaping the events industry. We're bringing you inside knowledge from industry leaders. Let's get started with your host, Megan Powers.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Inside Events Podcast by Swapcard. Swapcard is an event and matchmaking platform powered by AI that facilitates the smooth running of all types of events, online, in-person, and hybrid. Swapcard stands with the Black Lives Matter movement and will continue working with Black event professionals to amplify their voices. This is Lucky Number 13, a show I'm super excited about. It is the kickoff for season two, and we have two very special guests. But before I introduce them, I am your host, Megan Powers, And I, uh, my company is Powers of Marketing, and we provide strategic communication consulting strategy for small to medium-sized businesses, sometimes to universities, and I will share that here in a second um, in relation to one of our guests. I do want to say, if you have any feedback for us or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us via our Twitter account. It is at the event profs. Okay. Okay. I said this episode is going to be special, and our guests are special. All of our guests are special, but especially today. Today, we're talking events, of course, but also a little tourism and um, making an effort to amplify Black voices in tourism and meetings and events. And our guests are Alana Dillette and Tess Vismel. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to read, Megan. of course. So I'm going to read their bios. I also like to throw in a little how I know the guests when I already, <laughs> when I already know them. Alana um, is a professor at San Diego state and the hospitality and tourism management program there. And it's such a mouthful. I was going to say the whole thing. That's the, <laughs> that's the short version. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I worked there at, and their so- did their social media and website updates for a year. Um, and I am an, uh, an alumna of San Diego state too. So, Um, I got to work with her a little bit while in that role. All right, I am going to to read her her lovely bio here. Dr. Alana Dillette is an assistant professor at the Payne School of Hospitality and Tourism Management at San Diego State University, where she teaches undergraduate and graduate courses with a specific focus on leadership development. Her research interests include exploring issues around diversity and inclusion in the hospitality and tourism industry. More specifically, she studies the intersection between tourism, race, gender, and ethnicity, and is a leader with Tourism Reset as an initiative coordinator. Currently, she is working on research to gain a better understanding of how systemic racism has shaped the hospitality and tourism industry for Black travelers and professionals. Dr. Dillette works to continue building bridges between industry and academia and can also be found online in publications such as The Conversation and The Trip Doctor podcast. And I will um, provide links to her work and to, that, to those shows um, in the show notes. Next up, Ms. Tess. Tess Vismale is an award-winning chief event executioner and event technologist for iSocial Execution Incorporated, an event ex- execution firm, Tech Whisperer for live events for Dahlia Plus Agency, event tech pull-up podcast co-host, Virtual event superhero and speaker. For years, she has educated the business events industry on event tech. Tess is the first Black person in the inaugural class in her industry to receive the Digital Event Strategist certification. She thrives virtually and face to face, managing event logistics and tech merged with events. She's a live virtual event associate with Exec Online. She was recognized as a member of Connect Association Magazine's 15 over 50 don't look a day over 35. <laughs> this honor highlights the top professionals in the event, in the events industry. She's a certified meeting professional, digital event strategist, and stage manager for TEDx Peachtree for the last nine years. And I know Tess well, she's awesome. And I'm an event tech geek too. So we've worked just sort of in tandem, I think at trade shows and stuff. And then I got the chance to work with her, um, as a guest, as a guest geek on a, on Dahlia's team (laughs) (laughs) and we'd had Dahlia um was on episode 10 I think so um not too long ago yeah pretty recent so the last four shows of season one all had to do not surprisingly with going online with your events um the word virtual is you know thrown about I have kind of a (laughs) I have a I kind of a thing with the word virtual I know we have to use it but it is not a virtual conversation we're having. We were having a real conversation. Um, <laughs> and I think it's going to be a really good one. So I'm going to start off by sharing just kind of my personal um, reason why I wanted to, to do this. So I um, obviously, you know, COVID's been really rough. And then the Black Lives Matter movement has really created this tidal wave of, uh, you know, thought, and, you know, the world kind of taking notice, finally, um, at injustices that that have been done. And it, what it occurred to me is that while I am not racist, I need to do better and I need to be anti-racist. So I need to sort of have those conversations that are tough with people when I hear things that uh, I don't want to hear, with, you know, that are, that are inaccurate, that are, um, you know, putting down a, a part of our humanity that matters as much as anybody else. And that's the point. Black Lives Matter is not at the, you know, advancement of them over anyone else. It's that, that they have been stifled. And I am excited about the direction we're headed. I've been doing a lot of listening and a lot of learning. But I also realized too, that while I never have picked a guest at the exclusion of anyone, any race, gender, creed, whatever, um, that I need to do better and um, we can do better and we will do better. So this is a start. With that said, I would like um, both the guests to share their thoughts, their personal experience and anything really that you want to share right now about kind of where you're at um, with all of this and your life experience and how it has sort of how that intertwines with your work. Elena, you want to start us off?
2: Sure. Sure. First, thank you for providing this platform. I think um, what you said earlier about just listening and talking about these issues is so so important. So thank you for having us here. Um, so you gave my kind of official bio, but I I guess a bit more background about me and I guess how it helps me to uh, place myself in this work is um, originally I'm from the Bahamas. So that's where I was was raised and lived um, all of my life before coming to the U.S. But I've lived in the U.S. for 15 years now and That's important in this specific scenario, I think, because the Bahamas is a predominantly Black country. So I moved from a place where I had Black leaders and teachers and people to look look up to. Um, And the first place I lived in the U.S. was Alabama, which has its own um, stereotypes and historical inequities that are specific to, to that area of the U.S. And so... In a way, I think it, it provided me with a privilege to really understand um, what it's like to live in a society where we don't suffer from some of the same issues as the US, but as I got educated and started to go out into um, the industry and then eventually became a professor as I am now, it really gave me a unique um, perspective of some of the issues of systemic racism that we face here in the US and have trickled down even though the Bahamas is predominantly black, um, trickle down into that society as well through colonialism and other ways um, and understanding how it's affected the tourism industry, which is what I really do a lot of my research on and teach about in my classes. Um, So I think for me, when I think about just personal experiences and how I've been feeling over the past um, month or so as Black Lives Matter has sort of resurged right because it's been around for a long time right um it is just you know I've been doing this work for a while and at first it was it was disheartening because I think a lot of hospitality and tourism professionals that I run into or even just people in general we we all think of our industry as fun right this is the fun industry And it is um, because a lot of what we do has to do with creating experiences um, for people who are seeking leisure and seeking happiness. Um, But we, we can't look at that at the, I guess at the expense of really understanding how systemic immobilities and inequalities for black people specifically in this case have shaped our industry over history and continue to trickle down into what we do today. Um, So all that to say that I'm really glad to be here talking about this, and I really do think that it's an important topic for our industry, as it is for many, many different industries, for us to come together, to listen, and to come up with some solutions to uh, begin to and continue to make changes.
1: Wonderful. Miss Tess. Yes yes yes.
0: Um I'm happy to be here Megan. I'm very excited about the position you took to reach out to amplify to take your space to as a place to do something different and ask and listen. Um and I think over time What has happened from my position of my career, because I've kind of worked in all aspects of the industry, almost, I should say, because I've worked in academia, nonprofit, profit corporate, the like, um, on the venue management side as well as the planning side, and then kind of in between the two now in helping, you know, where tech and planning meets in a sense. Um, I've seen that we don't take enough time to redefine what it means to be a Black person going through and navigating those facets of the industry. And I think what's inter- interesting with Atlanta is that she's coming from an academic perspective and social, and then I'm coming from a meeting and business events perspective. So you've done a great job in bringing us together. Our experiences, although seem different, um, the outcomes are very similar. Um, because when we start talking about D&I, um, we kind of lose sight of those other categories sometimes. Um, and it reigns true that we don't do enough dialogue and coming together. So it's my hope, and, and I, I think the COVID. Which is one of the pandemics, and the second pandemic, which has been happening for almost a cent- over a century now or even more, um, has brought us to the point where we can stop and I call it respect the pause and think about what we 're doing differently, how we can come together and Um, You know dismantle assumptions and hopefully through the events that we produce right because the mere fact that we're able to use technology to do these events reaches those different populations right reaches all the various different opinions and thoughts and point of views and bring it to a point where we can move forward. So that's kind of how from a career standpoint, I'm trying to utilize my skill sets to help amplify and hopefully those can see it as well.
1: Lovely. Thank you both um, for for sharing. And um, so to to take it a a step further, I mentioned there's no end date to this movement. And so uh, I just I want to hear from your perspectives. Why? Because I while I think to some it might sound obvious to others, you know, not so much. So, uh, you know, I want to be educated. I want our listeners to be educated. Um, so Alana, uh, what what do you think um, in terms of um, where we are, you know, with there being no end date? Um, really, it's kind of just beginning in a way, right? It's not, but it is. Yeah, um,
2: it's it's a hard question to have a sort of a one-liner, tangible answer to, um, but you know, the way that I try to think about it is, I know there's a big sort of deba- debate, some people feel it's political, um, about, you know, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. And my response to that is always, all lives won't matter until Black Lives Matter. And that's what this movement is really about on a on a wide scale. And I think when we really consider why we are even having to say Black Lives Matter. There are, you know, it's, it's hundreds of years of systemic issues that have been um, steeped into the makings of this country, literally the physical makings of this country in many ways. So they're extraordinarily deep rooted and, and because they're so deep rooted, they're, they're sometimes very difficult to see. And I think that's why it's taken us so long to get to this moment where we see see an awakening amongst um, many, many different people, white people in particular, who are now like, wow, I finally get it. Um, and so if it's taken us this long to, to get to this point, I think that kind of speaks to why there, there really is no end date. And the movement speaks to Black lives, but also it speaks to equality and justice for all. And, and that's not what this podcast is about today, but Layered within this is going to be work and reconciliation, racial reconciliation um, that has to happen. And I just, I just don't see an end in sight in our lifetimes. I hope that one day, you know, in the future, we can, we can live in a world where these aren't the issues that we're tackling, but um I don't know if that really answered
1: the question, but it's it's just yeah. deep. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally is, and I respect that. It's hard to answer, and um, these are hard conversations that we're having. And um, but I I I think that you did a good a good job of of um of, of rounding of that out, Miss Tess. What do you think?
0: Um, I totally agree. I think that um, people are like, well, why did this happen back to back? Because we needed as a Society, or as a whole, something to strike a match and stop us in our tracks. Because obviously, as human beings in this life, we weren't living as we should. Period. And something like COVID, it to me, is similar to when you catch a cold. Like when you're running, running, running. As event professionals were constantly right. We're the close to the number one profession as it deal with stress, right? And then when you're when when if you don't shut down and stop what you're doing and take care of yourself, your body will shut down for you, right? It just signal, signal, signal to shut down for you. So that to me, that's how I look at when COVID stepped in to humanity, right? Where yeah. it said, "Okay, you need to, enough is enough. You weren't paying attention to me. All right, boom. Here it is. Shut it down." And then now we're going to pick back and give you. Now that we've leveled the playing field, now we're going to give you an opportunity to um, clean out, recognize <laughs> all the gunk that'll come up, right, and out when you're sick and you're not feeling well. And then it's the rebuilding process, right? We do have the ability to be able to reconfigure our DNAs, but, you know, how do we do that if we can't recognize it from the beginning that there was an issue and a problem? Um, And I think we have to do more, especially on the business event side, you know, on her side of the business, they choose to go where they want to be, right? Whereas our side of the business, the businesses and the, the act of business chooses the people we deal with, how we come together. And that's why it's very important, I think, as event professionals, for us to take a step in a direction of realizing that we control those narratives. All the choices that we make as business event strategists, which is who we should be, is how the planet engages, period. Every time people come together to meet, to have a conversation, someone organizes that. So that precipice lives on us. To design those experiences where they are extremely equitable and they're inclusive and thoughtful in every step of the process.
2: Wow. I love that, Tess. Oh, yes. <laughs> Deep. It's true though. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've been working on a project um, actually sparked by COVID where I talked to, I interviewed a bunch of different event professionals about how they've been innovating in response to COVID. And these interviews all took place um, before the violent killings that we've witnessed, which is what we're talking about now. But one of the things that came out was just how much this pandemic has, if we didn't realize it before, has reminded us of the importance of community and, and, and getting together and, um, and that in-person events and meetings are, are not going anywhere. We're actually craving them more than ever. And I think at the same time, like you mentioned, Tess, that's also part of the solution to what we're talking about now is is creating these spaces for us to really talk and listen and create this equitable environment. And that's just so so powerful. And I had never thought about it before in that way, but you, you put it so
0: beautifully. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I and I said, you know, when we were in the pre-show, I, you know, I said to Megan, I said, Megan, you know, it's important that we take a step and realize what it took to get to this show that you just put together this show should be um case study litmus test whatever you want to call it as a baseline of you taking a step where you chose to go to someone and amplify their message of a person who was black right about how you felt about them because you utilized your your um audience to do so then you move to another step of saying, well, then how can I give voice, right? And then how can I bring this story together and give an opportunity for you to be transparent on your, how you came through the process, right? So we all have, we're all vulnerable. We all may not know what to do and say, but we all came to center and said, you know what, I'm not sure. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Those are the candid conversations that we have Mm -hmm. to have, right? To move forward. But if we always stay in a, I'm in my own point of view, own way, we'll never get to the core of the matter so we can move past that to do the magic. Right. Right. So that's why I think this is important. And I thank Card for even being um, brave enough to allow this to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's kind of at the heart of what this is all about for me. And I think for many white people that who have been like afraid to have conversations who are tiptoeing because we don't want to say the wrong thing. And, um, you know, we had this conversation um, in the pre-show also about the, you know, there was a time when you weren't allowed to say black. You had to say African-American or people made you feel that and or you know person of color and all, all these kinds of things so I think all these conversations um, are also helping us to be more comfortable with yeah just having conversations just speaking up mm-hmm. and asking and recognizing like I mean I, I there are so few black people uh you know in the c-suite and you know on stages and it's something that I have been noticing and I recently actually before this all emerged was talk, having this conversation with some people in this one conference that I attend, um, at how whitewash it is. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so I think now hopefully, you know, takes time. Um, but I mean, I think this is, this is definitely a start and this is literally the least I could do. (laughs) I mean, I'm really, I'm trying, um, to, to help, but, um, there's, there's just, there's a lot to be done and, um, but you got to start somewhere. So, yes, do. <laughs> All right, Alana, uh, so your, your focus, as you said, you know, has been primarily on general tourism. Has anything through the COVID situation and the, and the Black Lives Matter re-emergence of the past several weeks, has it made you consider other research projects that you think you want to do?
2: Definitely. Um, it has. Um, as I mentioned just earlier, I actually just recently finished a project on um, the impact of with CoVID and events and how event professionals like you all are using this time to to innovate um, through the pandemic and also afterwards. Um, and I've, I haven't completed any projects yet, but I'm definitely seeing more opportunities opening up because more organizations now I mean we've seen i can't, I don't I can't count anymore how many solidarity statements I've seen from um, hospitality organizations, whether it be hotels, event companies, professional associations. And um, I've been really encouraged by those statements, but um, from the research perspective, something that I'm really interested in looking at is uh, what is going to be the trickle down effect of those statements over time. And um, just the statements themselves, are they are they vague or do they point to very specific things that organizations are gonna try to do? And then how are they following up with that? And so we can actually see in a year, five, 10, 20 years to come, uh, what has changed from this from this uh, time standpoint in time. And I think one of the ways that research can help is to collect data, collect the numbers on like things like you said, um, uh, who are the people in C-suite positions, um, if we can collect data on um, on, on income levels, on um, who are the people speaking, um, just a various different sort of check boxes so that we have a framework to say, okay, this is where we were, and this is where we've moved to. And so um, I'm really hoping to partner with some organizations that have put out solidarity statements and want to do this kind of work. And then beyond that, I mean, first and foremost, I'm an educator, right? So I, I really take my role seriously in making sure that in my classrooms and with my students, I find ways to educate them about these issues, and how they can deal with them, because they're gonna be the leaders of the future. And so I do really think that above and beyond um, a lot of even what we're doing in the profession it's really important that we make sure that we're educating our future leaders to be inclusive and equitable and, uh, and really care about the stories, right? Because I think data and numbers is important, but I also really think it's important for us to know the stories. So as an organization, I mean, simple things you can do to start, maybe you can't fire everybody in your C-suite and rehire, but you can ask the black employees that you do have, what is their experience like and find ways to um, sort of change from within, I think is really important. So that I sort of labelled on, but no,
1: no, no, no. (laughs) Awesome. All, all, all amazing. Yeah. And I forget because, because I, I, you know, I did my master's thesis and on you know in the event space um, that's where my head always goes to, but you're a teacher, you're teaching <laughs> so obviously that's part of it and um and super important clearly um especially now, especially right now in yeah. this moment, while they're students while this is going on to help them then move out and into the industry and and be better and be yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I love it. It is. It's
2: it's so important. Sorry, I was just going to add. Please, please, um, please. Similar to kind of what you were saying earlier about, you know, the speakers that we host at these conferences in, in many schools, especially hospitality and tourism, we host a lot of guest speakers in our classes. So one of the things I was already doing, but will definitely focus on even more is like making sure they see a diverse range of faces and stories. Um, So it's not always just saying, all right, here's the chapter on how systemic racism impacts, you know, being a hotel manager or being an event manager, but really just making sure they have representation of different stories. I think that's important, too. And that's part of the work that we can do as education, as educators and as event professionals.
1: Yeah. And you would tell us about the club that you're the advisor for.
2: Um, so I'm also the advisor for an organization called National Society of Minorities in Hospitality. And um it was started 31 years ago, I think, now. Um, and it's an or it's a national organization of chapters all around the US, and um, their main goal is to support and increase representation of minorities in hospitality. So there is there's already a framework out there and, and we've already been doing a lot of the work with them. So I think this just gives us a springboard. One, to say that this work still needs to be done, even 31 years after its founding, um, but also a springboard to continue to talk about these issues because I think before this, you know, a lot of people felt like it was behind us. And this was just a really, really intense wake up call that it's not.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, the large association, the meeting and event associations, the MPIs, the PCMAs, the Um, ILEA should be partnering with that club with local chapters and working, working with them. How interesting it would be to be like, have the students be the teachers (laughs) to teach these (laughs) associations for um, how to be better. Yeah.
2: I mean, I would love that. So if anybody's listening out there, (laughs) um, I know that we have a lot of partnerships with the bigger hotel companies that have Established, um established a lot of them have established dNI programs and whatnot. i I know the struggle for educators as as it with regards to connecting to event professionals has been the event profession is a bit more fragmented than the hotel um, industry. so but we have a lot of students who want to get into events, so we would definitely love to see that. and I think this organization would be a great start. Uh,
1: yeah, for sure. Okay, Tess, um, how do you think that non-Black event professionals can help to amplify Black voices in the meetings and events industry? That's such a loaded question. I know it is. <laughs> um, I have faith like in to, you. I have faith no in problem. you. One
2: sentence or less. Okay. I know, right. So I want to
0: answer that, but I want to also add to the conversation that yes, please. you all were just having, yeah, yeah. which is that there is also the National Coalition of Black Meeting Professionals. Right. So on our side, from business event side, and I know we talked about it pre-show. So um, on the precipice of coming from our, our side of the business, um, I'm... I am taking an active role in bringing the entities together to talk about how all of the organizations like Destination International, like MPI, like Connect, who have already made statements and have already made long-term commitments to the coalition, as we call it, the coalition, right?
2: Right.
0: Right. and are putting action to the statements that they have already and beginning to collect data uh, on the from the coalition's perspective and bringing in her piece and hopefully having her at the table as well with the initiatives that are happening because they have an entire, you know, student internship program. It's like they're it's mirroring. Right. So how can we bring social and business events together for the higher purpose? Because you have um, we're servicing different, you know. Yeah servicing the industry as a whole, but just a little different because you've got convention, you have CBBs in part of it. In addition to planners, you've got um, black business professionals who are sitting in roles within the hotels who are members as a member organization. Um, so uh, Jason Dunn, the chairman of board and um, Marlinda uh, have been doing a wonderful job in leading the organization into another uh, sector and have three to five year commitments from those institutions
2: that we've been talking about.
1: Fantastic! Yeah. Well, and I want I'm gonna do well, let this let's let this simmer for a little while, and then I want to have them on and see how how it's going. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But to answer your, question, well, I know it's a loaded non-logue. question. <laughs> that, <laughs> <laughs> just answer the best you can. Obviously, it's no these are all hard. No. Uh, well, I'm solving all the problems of the world today. <laughs> no. No. So no. Clear.
0: no. But no, and I think that. Uh, it's really truly what I mentioned earlier is utilizing the experiences that we had in building this show um, and what they're doing. You, know, you took a step, you, you, did an in, you, know, you looked inward, you saw, you said, wait, what do I need to do different? What are my resources <laughs> that I have to do what I can within my space? Then you asked the questions, then you took action together and not made assumptions and, and came honestly. And I think the biggest thing um, that white people can do is to come sincerely in any aspect of any person that they know, um, because it can it will immediately come across as an opportunist position if they're not coming from their heart space. Um, and then especially right now, you know, with what I've seen with myself and others, um, black professionals, especially event professionals, are under a lot of pressure. You know, you've got COVID pressure, you, people who've lost completely, you know, our whole industry collapsing, who's lost everything. And then you have this added on where people are asking you a thousand questions and pulling and tugging. And what do I do? How do I do uh, everything? I'm sorry. Everything. Right. Think about how you <laughs> would want to be treated and to be, and, and help, right? And you want to do it from the internal perspective. If you start from in to out first. You shouldn't have any problems because people will be able to see you and if they see you for who you are, and then the work can begin. So that you know, those would be my things, and that should run the gamut no matter what it is, from the top to the bottom, bottom, top, middle, across. It should just be those steps.
1: Taking the initiative to express the need from our perspective that your voices are amplified. Correct yeah. within
0: your own resources. Whichever, yeah, and the however
2: that,
0: Right. Right. Whatever you think that you can affect, or if you have resources to help affect something else and connecting people, but you have to do it first. Because if you don't acknowledge and you're coming from a perspective of, like I said, or it comes across as you're being an opportunist. Right. Then that's where the pause is. That's going to be like, no.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting. Um, I, I, I've heard some excuses, reasons, whatever, for why there are fewer diverse people on stages. Uh, I just, this is not the people I know. It's like, well, that's not, I mean, that's my excuse in terms of me not looking outside my sphere, but I don't, I'm not running an event, you know, I'm not running. I'm not like, I don't. So I, again, if I could, if I could take a look and say, well, how can I do better? I think every single conference organizer, can do some research, can reach out to who they know, like, I, I mean, it's just, it kind of boggles my mind how simple it really is to, like, just seek out people with, with varying um, backgrounds and opinions and races and ethnicities and everything, because it should be, like, you know, like Elena said, it should be equal all across the board. Um, mm-hmm. So, but for now, we're amplifying Black voices, because that is that, um, you know, that is, that is what's happening right now. And that, that's, that's what we need. What we and, Megan, need
0: I, and Megan, I don't want to stop you, but just yeah, what please. you said, what you, what you said, the next step of what you just did would just be challenging them and just right. saying, Hey, this is a, if you don't know, it's okay. Well, let me show you how. And then if they don't take it at that point, after they've been shown, then that's where the problem is. It's not the problem that you, you say you don't know. It's that when you say you don't know, and then you've been shown how, Right.
2: And you don't. Well, and I think, like, at least what I'm understanding from this conversation that's really important is that allyship is going to be a necessary part of this process. Um, Like Tess has been saying, you know, the same way that you reach out to us, using that as kind of like uh, a framework for how do you do this? And I think one of the things that this virtual life has given us is that people are much more open now to, to responding and, and coming on as a speaker or a guest with somebody that they don't know because we're all using virtual. So there isn't the added barrier of, oh, well, do we live in the same city? And do I know you? And do I have the money to fly you here, X, Y, Z? So I think we actually need to use that to our advantage to broaden our network so that when we are back in person, we do know, we, do, we can call on a more diverse range of people. Um, And I hope that that's part of what comes out of this and I already see it happening, right? I didn't know Tess before 10 days ago and now because of you, I have this connection across the country that may turn into something larger. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Casting a wider net um, is something that, that's happening with that, you know, because of all this just in general, right. I'm hearing of like thousands and thousands more people attending conferences than I've ever attended in person. And, and part Absolutely. of that is because we're stuck home, but I think part of it also is accessibility. Maybe these folks would have loved to go for the last 10 years, but Absolutely. they're, you know, a, a, you know, they're in a wheelchair and they can't, you know, they just can't do it or whatever, whatever it is. They don't Absolutely. have the finances, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, that's a great point. I like that. All right. It's a whole new world. I won't sing it. <laughs> uh, but, can uh, hear it.): <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, uh, let's talk about some ideas. you know, we've kind of already touched on this a little yeah. bit, but just to kind of dig a little bit deeper. conversation about how planners and suppliers can continue to keep the conversation going and, and help to make in the word I use in the question is, you know, profound changes in events in travel and tourism because profound is what I what I would like to see I know it could take some time to get there it's baby steps um potentially uh but uh Alana have have you thought about this like what do, do you have any uh any ideas yeah um
2: so I I have been thinking about it and I I don't know how easily um you know this can be put into practice but an idea that I have is again, I'm coming from an educator's background, so uh, you know a lot of associations have annual conferences um that are somewhat educational based and I think that it's important that we realize, like we were talking about before, this is not a movement with an end date, and so having something that is a plate like that is always on the roster, a workshop, a panel, um, and making it part of a main session where we talk about. How, where have we, how far have we come in the past year uh, with regards to, we can call it diversity and inclusion if we want to, but we really need to focus on the real issues. Uh, and we can start with, with race and we can start with black lives in whatever industry that association um, services. And I can tell you year after year, I can promise that there will always be topics to talk about. And so I think having that, um, and, and committing to that for a long-term period of time will make a difference. Um, other things, I mean, again, this is more from the research standpoint, I kind of already said before, but we need to put it out there. I mean, what are the numbers of our organizations? Uh, I realize, you know, the argument is always, well, there's not, you can't have 50-50 because 50% of the population is not black in the US. And I understand that, and I, I don't think that's what anybody's even asking for, but you know, seeing what are the cultures embedded in our organization that are stopping people from moving from management positions to directors to C-suite? How are we seeing a trickle-down effect? Because we already know that for women, that's an issue, right? We have a lot of women at a certain level. And then when you get up to a higher level, we see them dissipate. And I'm positive that you would see the same thing with regards to race and with regards to um, Black employees. So... Actually having numbers to back that up, I think is really important so that we can face the issue head on and be systematic about how we, how we address it.
1: Yeah. And making an effort to help promote within versus just, yeah, yeah. Effort. It's all about effort.
0: It is. It's, uh, and, uh, and I know you had not told me I can go yet.
1: But. Yeah, no, please.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to add to um, yeah. what we were saying, actually I was going to say a little earlier, is just like the Me Too movement flew off the shelf in a, in a sense,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And everyone's head turned towards women, protecting women right? And then look in our industry, right? So then even with our industry on the business event side, Megan, you know how that went rampant, right? And you were, they were talking about just, were <laughs> you talking about uh, sexual, sex trafficking,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
0: Huge campaigns, huge money, dollars, efforts to try to change that within the hotel industry, right? So, so along the same lines, you have to think about the shift has to happen, and I hate that shift and pivot word, but it's got to change. Something has to move. And now we've moved. It's the now, how can we do something a little different within our space? And, you know, I, um, I'm i not going to say the name of the organization because I didn't ask, right? But I'll give you this as a perfect example. Um I was interviewed by an organization not long ago, and right before I uh, also was a part of a conversation, it's an industry professional organization, uh, about these same topics. And it was kind of like what they were going to do. They were trying to ask the membership. Um, and I made it a point in that conversation to say, hey, it's not about all DNI. It's not about all pe- people of color. It's about Black people. That's the issue first. That's what I said. I left it there. I didn't move too much. Too too much further. Then the recap around that conversation came out in public. And that recap was written with the B lowercase when they said black people. So I'm sitting here reading this, took offense for obvious reasons. And I took it upon myself. And this is before I read, read the article that was about to be written about something I was doing. Right. So I took the, the time to reach out to the editor and say, hey, in so many words, I noticed you did this. And this is a grave error. <laughs> and this is why. And I get, I cited articles for her, to current articles for her to read so she could go and take a look at what was happening. And her response back it was, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. Our departments had been talking about this. Um, and we subscribe to the New York times and associated press style guides. So in my mind, I'm saying what I said earlier, which is I'm bringing this to your attention because I'm going to assume you didn't know. And then I'm going to choose to educate. But then at that point, she says what she says, which means you had been talking about it and then you decided to go with, well, there's a, there's a, uh, Journalistic outlet, I'm going to call it um, called the Brookings and they had done an article uh, in reference to The movement around getting the New York Times and Associated Press to change to a capital B versus a lower B for black people So in my response, I said hey in so many words take a look at what your fellow journalists are doing So I came out of Our industry and talked about journalism in general as a result, that organ- she came back and said, Let's, I'm going to bring it to, to the team. She brought it back to the team. Within nine minutes, she emailed me back and said, Tess, we not only are going to correct this article, we're going to go back and all our marketing materials from the past, all our blogs, our publications from the past and change it. And moving forward, we basically will not see black lowercase any longer. It will be capitalized from this point on. I didn't tell anyone. I've never told, you know, I, hadn't, I didn't publicly say any of that, and I won't reveal the organization. But it's that type of thing that we have to call and we have to do little things to push
2: right.
1: the needle
0: forward that I can even do, right? To help and assist.
1: Right. right. Well, and I didn't know, it just hadn't occurred to me until we talked about it. So I went back and I changed my Twitter handle and you know updated it because I wanted you know it's imp- it, you're right it's important to um, to point out because most of the time it's not going to be in a, from a place of malice it's going to be just from right. a place of ignorance which I think is at the heart of all of this right like my my ignorance uh, of you know and I I shared with you guys before you know I grew up with in a in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, but I had several black people and people of color in my classes and, and they were just my friends. Like I didn't, I never thought about like how they lived their life, but they never shared anything that, you know, was different for them and for me. And so really it was way later in life that I realized, um, how out of tune and uninformed (laughs) I was, um, about. About how it is to live as as a black person, and not that I understand now because I will never understand um, how how it has been to be you. Um, but I can, um, you know, try to amplify and and, and do better. Um, so yeah, so those are all things that that are it. I mean, this could be listened to by anybody in any industry, right? Like this this right. happens to be the space that we're in, but this is all applicable no matter no matter where you sit. So I think that's like a perfect, unless anyone else has anything more you want to say, I think that's like the perfect way to, to round well, out. Well, the only, the only
0: other thing I would just yeah. say is that hopefully we can do more of these things, you know, um, when we ask the questions, you know, we're, we're as speakers or educators, right? As podca- podcast hosts, ask those questions that may be difficult. You know, um, looking within our institutions' or organizations, and hopefully we realize that it's us individually who make a change, just like our vote counts right right It's us individually who, through our actions, vote towards making black lives as well as our entire community better and greater, and then, therefore, the ripple effect is life will be better
1: right for sure, well, and speaking up. Of- in advance of things, like I, once, once you look at a speaker lineup for an event, that that it's too late. That train has left that station for the most part. I mean, they might be able to add. Um, but if, if we all let organizations know now as members, you know, we vote with our dollars, right. And who we belong to, there are plenty of meeting and event organizations that we can all belong to. Uh, you know, if we, as members let them know, this is important to us, in advance of of um, you know events being organized. Then hopefully that will also help to to make change.
2: Yeah, um, it's the small things I think that really matter. Um, sure. And just to echo what both of you have said, I always one of the things I like to live by is is the saying "start where you are," and I think that that's so important with all of this. Is that I think all of us we, there's a it's a lot of emotion right now, yeah. so we feel like wow, this problem is so big. Where do I start? And I think Megan, you've done a great job with this podcast and whatever you're already doing, you know, try to make a change there versus trying to start a whole new thing. Right. Right. Um, I think that's a really important takeaway for anybody from any industry. Um, And your example about upcoming events with speakers and, and who you decide to support is, is a really good one and an easy way to make your voice be heard.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, both so much, and I'm so yeah. glad um, that there's like connection between the two of you too. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I I can't thank you enough for for being our, my guests on the first episode of season two um, of Inside Events, and this is just the start of a of a much bigger conversation. And you know, there's a lot more work to be done, but I I think this is. Uh, anyone who listens to this is really going to get some great insights um, for the meetings and events industry at large and then also for just for life and like you say start where you are and see how you can make a difference and every little every little bit counts.
2: Thank you Megan.
1: Okay. Thank you Megan. Thanks ladies. All right y'all this has been episode 13 of Inside Events by Card and we will catch you next time.
0: Tweet at us with the hashtag InsideEvents and be sure to subscribe to get each episode as they drop.